Hello, dear listener, and thank you for uh, checking out Something Rotten. Uh, we talk about pretty uh, awful games in this show generally, and I put content warnings in the description for most episodes, um, but I do want to just do one um, in front of this whole season because, uh, boy, there are some wretched topics that we go into in the show, uh, including but not limited to uh, extended discussions of sexual abuse and suicide. So if um, if either of those things are things that you don't want to consider for any reason, uh, here's just a heads up. It's going to be pretty hard to avoid. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Something Rotten. We are talking about the video game Silent Hill 3. And in fact, we've finished this video game. Blake, you made it through uh, two trips to Silent Hill in the past uh, three or so weeks. How do you feel? I'd argue it's like a trip and a half, really. Yeah, you know, this was more a, a, a little a little daycation in Silent Hill. Jacob, I do have a question real quick, if you'll allow me to derail the show uh, 26 seconds into it. Please do. Last night, you sent a picture that you were watching mine and Leo's uh, Goodbye to Each Other stream. Yeah. And I'm curious how much of it you watched. Uh, not that much. I saw y'all, uh, okay. you had, when I was watching, you had like paused on a video of Simpsons Hit and Run. <laughs> <laughs> so you might have missed, in in a lot of ways, I think our our public friendship, possibly our private friendship, has been building to this moment. But you might have missed that I... Uh, I did declare we are beefing because I wanted to beef with a YouTuber because we were keeping up with this. Oh, okay. We were keeping up with the Sneeko Moist Critical beef, and I decided I would take one on, and I did have a really good burn on you that I oh, wonder if well, you'd like to Oh, well, do tell. Okay. Um, I said, <laughs> for such a short little man, you think you'd look up to me more in your life. <laughs> <laughs> so I just wanted you to know that I did, uh, I did burn your ass real good last night that's i mean i think the best podcasts have two hosts that are like kind of at each other's throats yeah you know it's like people who are just friendly makes for a boring show for sure so uh glad to hear for the dear listener at home me and jacob do not like each other at all this is all a business thing this podcast makes way too much money for us to stop but we we're kind of in a MythBusters situation anyway we got that first 35 dollars 35 dollar check and we were like we're in this forever now that's right shouts out to nebula thank you so much uh let's carry on with the show <laughs> that's right uh joining us today is uh honestly I, I i could not think of a better person to have on to talk about uh the video game silent hill 3 um from youtube.com as well as uh lock on and and other places of writing uh Eurothug 4000 aka maria hello welcome to the show hello hello thank you for having me absolutely we are we are so happy to have you on i mean i think We've been talking about having you on for like multiple seasons, but then when we decided Silent Hill, it was like, okay, well, that's obviously the one. <laughs> yeah, I gotta be here for Silent Hill 3, that's for sure. Um, have you ever uh, considered that your name uh, is in fact 
the name of a prominent character in Silent Hill 2. Uh, I thought you meant Eurothug, and I was like, I don't remember Oh, that yeah, character. that's right. You didn't run I was into like, Eurothug? I was like, wait, wait that's a Eurothug in that? Um, Maybe yes. Claudia in Silent Hill 3, but that, even that's a little iffy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, my parents named me after her, of course. That, that's totally my origin Wow, you're story. much younger than I thought. <laughs> Yeah, no, that would make me too young. No, take it back. Oh. But uh, co- coincidentally, you do have a video about how much you love the story of Maria from Silent Hill 2. I believe you said it's or, the yeah, best. Like the, yes. the side yes. expansion DLC thing. So, I mean, uh, I assume it's a, a wish, yeah. Right. I assume it's just a coincidence. Y'all are named the same thing. But, like, you do have something of an attachment to yeah. that character. I mean, I might be the real life manifestation of that character. You never know. Mm-hmm. Um, There's like a much more boring wife that's like your counterpart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you're the cool one. And she's very dead the whole time. <laughs> Do you want to. People people can uh, watch your video, obviously, which is called uh, Why the Best Part of Silent Hill 2 is in the Main Campaign. Um, but do you want to like uh, summarize that a little bit? Because I had never played Born from a Wish before, and I played it for this, uh, this season that we're doing. And I like. I was not blown away, but I would love to hear why you like it as much as you do. Yeah, so I guess one of the things is because it's set in, uh, I think it's Baldwin Mansion. Um, And the setting itself is so different to what you normally see in Silent Hill. Like, you usually have the super rusty, visceral imagery. Um, You might, I, I mean, to be fair, there is... Oh, what was it? Um, the hotel at the end of uh, the main campaign. Um, yeah, but, but you I, really you like dip in and dip out. Yeah, of that. <laughs> like I wanted more of that. I kind of mm-hmm. wanted to see more of like the domestic side of Silent Hill. Um, sure. You kind of get mm-hmm. it in one. You get to go through some of the houses, um, but not not for too long. Um, so I really appreciate that about Born from a Wish. Um, the second thing is that it gives Maria's character so much more background. So it kind of looks into her character, like quite literally as she's manifested um, by the town and she's sort of coming to grips with who she is, what she is, um, what her purpose is in the world. And it's, it's kind of sad because she has almost this autonomy at the start yep. um, and it kind of whittles away almost um by the end of it and yeah it is it's like a neat backstory my my favorite part of it was when i think it's is Ernest the guy in the room like who she's talking yeah, to yeah yeah um when when she kind of says something and it's like he has like a realization of what she is and also mm-hmm. kind of what he is where it seems like he realizes that she's like manifested by the town and he's like that sucks for you man like he doesn't explicitly (laughs) say it but it's like it it, you know it is i i like the idea that it is like tragic for the manifestation of silent hill like to you know you almost don't think of her as having like an interiority if she's just like a dream made up by the town but the idea that it's like very sad for her that she exists is i think a really interesting idea yeah for sure and especially because it's like her purpose is to basically just be for James in the town. Yes. Which is like really, really sad because she's not her own person and she kind of comes to that realization. And yeah, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Just like the last line, uh, I think she just says James and sort of like walks off into the fog. (laughs) Yeah. Um, That part, I was like, oh, this is so sad. I'm like, 
no <laughs> give me back the maria at the start yeah it's like she you know and she kind of she like considers killing herself and then doesn't or at least kind of puts the gun to her head and it mm-hmm. is it is interesting to think about that as like that was when she could have exerted agency almost mm. and then that was like taken away from her and now she just has to exist as like you know the bad choice for james essentially yeah um yeah. okay so silent hill 2 uh blake and i both loved uh last week we talked to tango mushi who talked about how silent hill 4 was her favorite i think where what's what's like the kind of series ranking for you like what are what are the kind of top picks and is silent hill 3 in that conversation yeah so silent hill 3 is my favorite cool (laughs) Um, I would say, so I haven't played Homecoming and, uh, Downpour. I'm kind of saving those because I feel like mm-hmm. I want to, I would want to make a video on them. Um, and I have a bad habit of delaying games <laughs> and then just being like, oh, I'll make a video on them one day. So I shouldn't play it yet. Right. Um, anyway, right. my backlog is horrible. Um, so yeah, I mean, three is my favorite. Um, Shattered Memories, I really enjoyed. <laughs> even though uh not many people really like the uh western silent hill games in in like, the fan the, base is that the wii one yes that's the wii one mm-hmm. the remake of one the like pseudo yeah remake? Okay, yeah gotcha, uh, gotcha, gotcha. it was a reimagining of one um but it, it had like this psychological profiling system which was yeah. the main uh good thing about shattered memories um it was just super interesting how they actually put that together and the kind of criteria that affects certain endings and stuff like that. So, for example, if you stare at like alcohol bottles for too long with the Wiimote, uh, you get you might get like the drunk dad ending. We've example. all been there. We've yeah, all been yeah. there. Um, and yeah, I, a four. I really love four as well. I mm-hmm. think what it does with the safe room mechanic is genius. I think Fatal Frame may have done something similar. Um, but not to the extent that Silent Hill 4 did. Um, and also, of course, its influences on PT, undeniable. Um, and then I think 2 is also very high up there. I think slightly below 3, just because I have such an attachment to 3. Um, right. Yeah, same, so same with where, one. Does, yeah. Um, where does that attachment come from? Because, I, I, you know, last week we talked about it's like both Blake and I are like, fully team heather we love her but (laughs) like is you know is is that the main part of the game that that you like or is it you know level design or like the the narrative or what what kind of like attached you so much to it i i think heather's definitely a major part of that um as a character she's just so refreshing she kind of responds to things in an almost snarky way and i'm like i would totally do that (laughs) If I was in her situation, yes, you'd be scared, but also I'm going to be shouting like, what the fuck is this? And, you know, like (laughs) just going off at everything. Um, So I I, I really appreciate her for that. But um, I I also think just the way the narrative is and the themes, I think in the other games, it's very, how should I say it? It's, It's very almost obvious like, it will tell you everything, pretty much. Um, and the themes are a lot more surface level. But with 3, I feel like you really have to be looking at certain things and piecing things together to understand some of 
like the underlying themes, um, which particularly pertain to like womanhood, um, forced pregnancies, stuff like that. So it, it's very dark, I would say. I think obviously all the Silent Hill games are pretty disturbing <laughs> most of right. the time. Right. Um, but with three, it just felt a bit too personal. <laughs> sure. So yeah, it was, it was very yeah creepy because of that for sure i'm i'm super glad to have you on because like one of the, one of the kind of weird things about playing this after two is like this game has so much explicit story mm-hmm. where it's just like here's the cult here's the thing here are the characters that are doing stuff with the cult that it feels like like two is so minimal that you have like no choice but to think about kind of the subtext right. you know because it's like the game the the whole story is just like james wants to find his wife and she's dead you know and like that's the whole plot um whereas this has like so much kind of story and cult stuff going on that i found it uh, challenging and we'll we'll get into this to kind of find the underlying stuff as Mm -hmm. much in in my first playthrough and so i'm just i'm very excited to uh to have you on to talk about that sort of thing yeah yeah of course yeah it's definitely like silent hill 3 will tell you like those main plot points um and just sort of take you through like what seems like a pretty simple story and i think also this is another thing i really enjoy about the game i think i feel better replaying three than i do two i think just gameplay wise and the way it's structured as well as the pacing i can get through it sure a lot easier almost like it's a lot more palatable for me as a gameplay experience but i think the atmosphere of two is phenomenal and also just super different to three anyway so you know both games have their have their advantages for sure um but yeah with with two i think the cutscenes and some of the themes and just the what would be something that's like hidden in three is said into like a character will say something like angela will kind of explain the kind of torment that she's going through um albeit in like flowery language maybe (laughs) but very emotional flowery language and it's it's just more like i don't know like you can just get everything from two you don't really have to think too much about it um but with three it is it is a bit more hidden if you want um like the deeper themes yeah that's that's interesting because i feel like the the moment to moment story of three is like so much more explicit in terms of like i know claudia's whole deal and i get what she's doing but in terms of it's like um narrative themes silent hill 2 is more explicit you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, like yeah. this. You have to, Jacob. You said you have to think more about the story, and I think that's true. But it's like, also, if you play that game, you know what Eddie and Angela represent just by watching their cutscenes. Sure. And like Silent Hill Three, it's like I'm still kind of thinking about like, I get the cult stuff. That's fine, whatever. It didn't really do much for me. But it's all the stuff under the surface that it chooses to step back from and make more like visual yeah. or put off in the corners. That Silent Hill Two would just be like, this is the whole deal with Mary. Here it is, right yeah. here. <laughs> um, all right, so let's start talking about this section. When we left off, uh, uh, Heather had finally, she made it back to her apartment. Hooray! Uh, except her dad was there, and he was dead. Uh, and we fought uh, a, a less rizzed-up version of the guy from Clock Tower. Right. Um, and then at the end... Uh, Heather said, "All right, I'm going to Silent Hill. I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna get revenge. I'm gonna fl- fuck up Claudia." And Douglas said, "Okay, I'll, 
I will drive you there. I'm Douglas. I'm not going to do much. It's weird um, that he said, I'm Douglas. I'm not going to do much. Those are kind of yeah, short-sighted but, you know, writing. That's there. my favorite part. <laughs> um, but uh, then we get immediately into uh, uh, some imagery that I just fucking love that this game has like a lot of, which is they're just driving in Douglas's car to Silent Hill, and it is one of these, like, amazing kind of sometimes lower detail graphics are better, where it's like they're in a car, and it's just the outside is, like, completely black. Like, there's literally, like, nothing outside the car at all. And she has this, like, kind of long conversation uh, with Douglas. And I just, like, I just love the imagery of them being in that car. I think it's so cool. I think this might be the best scene in the game, as far as I'm concerned. Like... The the voice actress of Heather is very, very good, but I think this is where her acting really shines, because she's, like, she's not doing her whole sarcastic thing. She's also not, like, committing to, like, overt grief or mourning. Like, it's kind of this, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, she's kind of in a daze, and it's really just an exposition dump. Like, it's just kind of telling you the plot of the first game, but the delivery is so good, and, like, Douglas has taken a step back to just be like, the only role I can fill right now is to barely talk and just listen. That is like a very human moment. And I was like, very, yeah. very into this cutscene. Also, for the lore heads out there, Douglas said he'd been to Silent Hill too before to search for someone, but they never found him. And my guess is that's either James or Eddie. Oh, well, but also we find out we find out that Douglas has a dead kid. Yeah, but I don't think he went to Silent Hill to kill his kid. No, I think he went to find his dead kid. <laughs> no! Or, okay, wait, no. Maria, tell us, um, what's the answer here? I, I, I believe the answer is that it's James he went back uh, to look for, because Thank he's you. a private Thank detective. Um, Thank you. Thank yeah, you. I, I think he maybe he experienced something there to do with his kid because he does mention it's a weird sure, fucking yeah. town so maybe he did see something mm -hmm. yeah i've read it i've read his kid thing as the kid got killed in the bank robbery i didn't read that yeah. as like being associated with silent hill yeah but it's like you know maria or mary didn't necessarily die in silent hill it's just like the town calls them because of their trauma and like puts their dead person there i it makes sense that he went for james i just like very much when you find out that he has a dead kid i was kind of like oh that's that's why he has a connection to this place at all is because there are no like non-fucked up people who mm, go to silent sure. Hill. you know that it's like everyone just has their trauma i think he went to find james or eddie that is an interesting idea though yeah uh, this is also a good a good place to bring up i wrote this the same note like 20 times but like Every time there's a cutscene and there's like a vocal musical track so that comes good. in under the cutscene, I was like, this rules. So this good. is so good. <laughs> it's such a good fucking song, too. Though I noticed that my favorite song from this game isn't actually in the game. The I Need a Miracle song, whatever that thing's called, never showed up. Or yeah, it did. There was like a lo-fi version of it that plays. That's beside the point. Let's move on. Okay. Uh, here's something that I was very surprised to find out. Uh, th the map of Silent Hill is like the same map as Silent Hill yeah. 2. I, I was truly shocked yeah. when uh, <laughs> I, I thought it was so cool because I really didn't. I just thought you'd be in like a completely different town. Did you go revisit any of the locations? You can go to Heaven's Night and go inside. Can you go? Yeah. yeah. You can find a oh, poster. Oh, wow. No, I didn't. You can find a poster for the return of Lady Maria in Heaven's Night. Cool. So there you go. 
you can go and Heather will look around. I, I don't know if there are more you can go into. Like, I tried to go into the bowling alley and shit. But, like, you can go check out, like, the entirety of the bar area, Heaven's Night. That's really cool. Uh, I did not. I, uh, I just kind of, I mean, I bounced around. I was, like, kind of running against the walls to see if Heather started looking at items or, or whatever. <laughs> sure. But I did, I did not uh, explore too much. And then you go into, uh, okay, so does any, what happens when they, like, get to silent hill like she has another conversation with douglas in the motel room and then they kind of decide to split up yeah i was very confused about how they just got a motel in silent hill and it was like a normal (laughs) room with electricity i was very confused by that and yeah i don't fully understand this so uh douglas is like i'm gonna go search for it's either is it leonard he says he's going to look for yes i think at that point it is leonard um at the hospital well, well, Heather goes to the hospital and they never say why. And it took. And Douglas is like, I'm going to talk to Leonard. But Leonard's in the hospital. And it makes me think something was lost in the development here <laughs> that explained why you needed to go to the hospital. I saw some speculation that the original idea might have been she went to like the hospital of the first game, but they didn't make it. But it's very unclear why you're ever in the hospital. Yeah, so, I mean, in general, I think the game follows like the path of harry in the first Mm -hmm. game so it is basically just mirroring that but in terms of actually explaining (laughs) like why she goes there um yeah i'm I'm not too sure it doesn't really tell you explicitly i mean it makes Um, sense by the end of the level because it's like there's leonard you kill him you get the you get the seal that doesn't actually do anything but like uh douglas is like all right you're gonna go check out that hospital right and Heather's like, you know it, dude. No problem. I'm there. We all know I'm going to do that. And me, as the player, I'm like, yep, sure. That's right. I'm buckled up. Let's go to this hospital. I'll figure out when I fucking get there. Uh, yeah, you go to the hospital. I, I really, I liked that it had, I can't remember too much about the interior, but definitely the walk up to it. I was like, oh, wow, this is the same hospital that I went in as James in Silent Hill 2, which was just like, an, again, another cool feeling. And then it's like, it's kind of similar and then it goes into the nightmare mode where it's like complete i mean i wrote down uh fuck this hospital and fuck that mirror and we'll talk about the mirror uh, a lot probably but like the 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 kind of dissolution of the hospital into its nightmare version was like I think maybe the most effective version of that just because the hospital felt familiar because i had played it in silent hill 2 i think the hospital's the best level of the game. We talked with Tango a bit last episode about kind of, for all the like strong moments of the first half of the game, like mechanically it feels a bit directionless. And I think once you get to Silent Hill and once you f- enter the first kind of like classic dungeon, you know, it's effectively just a level from Silent Hill 2 remade a little bit and kind of truncated. I think this part is where like I really, really got on board with the game and started to really like the hell world. Um, I think it finds its footing here, which might just be because it's a old level that kind of knew how to do it. But like seeing the way the nurses had transformed to be more human and seeing the way they could like incorporate this like kind of architecture you're really familiar with and then twist it on its head in the hell world was like very strong for me. Um, okay, here's uh, let's let's talk about some of the the deeper themes here. Um, uh, Silent Hill, known for, like, having interesting enemies that kind of pertain to its plot. 
Um, Maria, do you have a, a take on... I mean, there's a lot to talk about with the enemies. One, there are just, like, so many in this game that you have to approach yeah. them completely differently yeah, than, yeah. than Silent Hill 2. But also, like, I am interested in the designs of them. Are there any that you think are, like, really uh, unique or interesting or kind of, like, worth talking about within the you know the kind of broader idea of the game um it's difficult because with enemy designs in silent hill in general um a lot of people will kind of see certain meanings or symbolism from them but then you get masahiro ito the artist uh on twitter who says yeah that doesn't mean anything (laughs) by the way or just be like no that wasn't it it was this blah blah blah." so he kind of debunks a lot of the more yep. interesting theories a lot of the time. <laughs> um, but I think... It's like, hey, hey, look, man, your, <laughs> your time to talk about the game was when you made the creature designs. Now it's our turn. Yeah, right. so, I mean, I appreciate his corrections, of course. Um, but I, I think in general, maybe the nurse design is what stands out to me because they yeah. do look a lot more human than they did um, in the previous games. And I think that does come down to how a lesser viewed um lisa lisa garland when when she was a nurse um probably just had a positive outlook on her (laughs) as opposed to like literally everyone else in the town um so it's kind of nice to see that sort of manifest itself in how the enemy design is yeah i mean you're 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 more well-versed in this series than jacob and i both but like knowing the broadest strokes about silent hill one basically being like Alessa had a nurse and they were kind of friendly is like enough that I started to pick up on both the more human nurse enemy designs but there's also a lot of like nurse imagery in the background of this game um and even like violence towards nurses that you can kind of see happening with I think it's like Voltael who's like dragging around corpses of nurses and stuff like do you have a reading on what that's supposed to mean for Heather beyond just like reminding the player like remember she was kind of friendly with a nurse back in the day when you're seeing the stuff in the background of scenes involving nurses um i think alessa might have probably noticed um like the relationships between the nurses and uh, i think it's management but more specifically in the first game it was um Mm -hmm. dr kaufman sure uh i believe who I, I can't remember exactly, but it was something to do with drugs and um, Lisa. He he would take advantage of Lisa. Um, so I think Alessa possibly saw that in the background sure, yeah. and kind of interpreted that in this other world subconsciously as Vautiel sort of uh, abusing the nurses, sort of being a bit more aggressive with them. Um, so yeah, I do think that possibly represents that for sure. Sure. Jacob, did you notice any of that in the background? Like, once I saw it, I kept seeing it throughout the game. No, I mean, there were obviously, there were rooms that were very, Mm -hmm. just kind of medically, and I I read one of them, it was like, okay, this is like the room from Silent Hill 1, or whatever. But no, what what I was going to say that I noticed, actually, was like, you know, before I had played any of these games, I kind of knew, like, oh, one of the Silent Hill things is there's a nurse, and they're like... They're scary, but they're also kind of sexy, which, like, makes them scarier, or it's like, you know, that I sure. don't actually find them sexy, but, you know, their costume <laughs> is such. And I realized that, like, the uh, the one that I had always seen was, like, the Silent Hill 3 one. You know, that I think mm-hmm. this is the game that kind of has the iconic 
one, and I think maybe it's because the the two like uh, bobblehead or bobblehead nurses look so much they are they are like so inhuman yeah that like these ones where it is like very much a human but just kind of fucked up and moving weird Mm -hmm. is like this is like the version of the nurse i've seen and the nurse i think is probably the most iconic uh silent hill uh like enemy type yeah uh did throw you for a loop when one of the nurses had a damn gun had a fucking gat yeah Yeah, (laughs) also speaking of throwing you for a loop Y'all notice that one of the save spots in this hospital is just on the Declaration of Independence? I did not notice that. (laughs) Yeah, in one of the closets, there's a save spot, and it's just a torn torn in half Declaration of Independence. That's so funny. I have no clue why. It's It's just there. Speaking of fun facts. Yes. Did you know, you two, there are numerous unlockable costumes in this game? Did you know that? Yep. Uh, I read that there were, but I don't know what they look like. You enter the cheat code. There's a whole bunch of them. Jacob, there are a bunch for various outlets, game press outlets. It's like 20 or so, including what pays the bills, what gives me health insurance, Game Informer. We're in this game. Hell yeah. Yeah, there's like IGN, EGM, Game Informer, OPMP, a ton of outlets that don't exist anymore, basically. Yeah, so it's like she she basically wears like a tank top. Yeah. And it says Game Informer on it. That is so funny. Oh my God. And so the EGM one, I'm fairly certain, was like hand designed by James Milkey, who was the EIC of like 1UP and EGM. I don't think anyone still working at GI now, except for like maybe our, one of our ads people was there in 2003. So I'm gonna have to like track down Reiner to ask him what the story behind this is, because that GI is not a logo I recognize at all. That we no, used. not at all. Um, yeah, we're in here. Um, I would say that we is fascinating these days. We would probably say no to this opportunity for ethical reasons, but it is pretty cool. I wish I would have known beforehand and I would have played with this costume on the whole time, but so it goes. I mean, it's like, it's such a weird, like what other, I can't think of a lot of other games that have like acknowledged well game outlets other than, other than fucking like postal high, or being like, Oh, Kotaku's going to yeah, the high, high on life, life thing. But, uh, Dan Reichert's in LA Noir. Oh, at, that's. I at, think I did know that, but yeah, it's so dumb. When we did the LA Noir cover story, they wanted to show off the like facial scanning things. And so they scanned Dan. He's like an NPC in the game. And obviously, Dan, after that point, was like barred. He could not cover the game for GI or anything. But um, yeah, so like we appeared in that game, I guess, as well, too. We're also in that Adam Sandler movie. Um, about oh, well, rain sh- over me, yeah, yeah, we're in rain oh. over me. Um, about how nine eleven happens, and so you play Shadow of the Colossus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Blake, so. you're also you're on the RGG servers, right? That's true. Your little they, face scan. They face scanned me, and I did explicitly say like, I'm not showing up in this game, <laughs> right? And they had to be like, No, you idiot, you're not pretty enough to be in our game, Blake. Um, but yeah, they did scan me, so I have a Photoshop file somewhere on my computer of my face as rgg character um, maria if you could if you could appear as an npc uh in in some game series what do you think it would be um probably death stranding <laughs> oh yeah I'd be, sure, sure, sure. I'd be a prepper and then yeah. i'd go say hi to jeff Keeley and be be best friends with him 
You could you could be in the in the bunker with fucking Conan O'Brien. <laughs> yes, <laughs> hell yeah. And we can both have like the otter hood because I'm pretty sure he gives that yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be so funny. That would be perfect. You could totally be one of those people who's like, I haven't left here in months. I I'm so happy <laughs> that you're connecting me to the chiral network. Um. Okay. Here's a question that I have. Uh, Stanley Donwood. Mm-hmm. what's what's his deal uh like throughout the hospital you're finding these like very creepy notes that are written like seemingly to heather specifically from a guy named stanley donwood uh and i w- was not sure what to make of them yeah so he's basically just a little freak um dwelling uh-huh. <laughs> in in the hospital um jacob you can relate a little freak <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> just a little goblin in the corner um <laughs> But yeah, he, for me, it kind of represented like um, the very real uh, issue with like stalkers and just men who can't take a hint uh, or even if they do take the hint, they don't care. Um, And they kind of uh, think that they own a woman, um, try to intimidate them, stuff like that. So that kind of, I, I definitely saw it as just a very real womanly fear coming out um and it it was creepy because i think you can even hear the door closing behind you sometimes uh which apparently people say is stanley following you because he seems to know wherever you are um which Mm -hmm. is very scary there was a just undeniable dread that would fill my body Every time I turned a corner and saw a new one of his notebooks. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And then there's also that thing where um, uh, where Heather gets the phone call uh, th- where the guy sings happy birthday. Yeah. Uh, that's which not is another. Stanley. Yeah. No, it's just like another fucking weird freak in yeah. this game. So I think that's still a mystery. But I know people theorize that that is um, Vincent just kind of taking mm. the piss and trolling Heather <laughs> while she's here. Because um, it does sort of sound like him if he was putting right. like a silly voice on. Um, so that's a theory. But uh, apart from that, I don't know. Yeah, because it's not Stanley because the caller right. says that he's dead. Um, and it's not Leonard. So it kind of doesn't really leave anyone else that we know of. Yeah, but it is it is really interesting to think about. You know, I think one of the one of the things that this game makes less explicit than Silent Hill 2 is like if you know, why is Heather experiencing this version of Silent Hill specifically? You know, because because we learn in 2 and and in, you know, other instances that it's like you know, Angela's Silent Hill looks very different than James's Silent Hill and probably Eddie's Silent Hill is, you know, like a whole third thing or whatever. And like, because because Heather doesn't kind of have uh, guilt in the same way as those other characters, I, I think it's kind of, it's a little harder to draw, like, why is she experiencing these specific things, you know? Um but I do like that, like, one of the nightmares is just, like, she's just got fucking weird stalkers, yeah, like, all over the place, including the the phone call, Stanley Donwood, the person who tries to, like, push her off the train platform um, in the subway station. You know, it's just kind of, like, these men who wish her harm for, like, no reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, or even, you know, even with the birthday one, don't 
explicitly wish her harm, but you just understand that it is kind of threatening and scary that they're doing this shit. Yeah, and I think also on on the stalker note, uh, so when... I don't know if you covered this in the first part, but um, when Harry was raising Heather, uh, for a time she was just called Cheryl, um, like her original self, but then a, uh, it was someone from the cult who came looking for them, and I think Harry ended up killing him in self-defense, and then they moved and had to change Cheryl's name to Heather. So she has kind of dealt with that in her real life as well, just mm-hmm. people coming after her. Yeah. <laughs> I was so noticed... Except for the last boss. I mean, I don't know if this pertains too much to what we're talking about here. But, like, aside from the last boss, which is Claudia. Well, a god version of Claudia or whatever. All the bosses are male or male-coded, which took me a bit to realize. I mean, the the big worm, mm-hmm. I don't think, has a specific gender or anything. <laughs> well, but, like, but it's, it's, it's pretty specifically well, coded. Right, it's, the worm it's a big, shape. <laughs> but yeah. that was something I, I... Right, right, right. That's what I mean. But, like, um, after a while, I did start to realize, like... That's where that narrative theme was kind of coming out was like, oh, all these bosses are just like male, which is not the case in Silent Hill 2, I don't think, where there's like, it's not like you're going to say the flesh lips has a specific gender. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's interesting because um, some of them, you know, it's like the 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 like scissors guy that you fight uh who supposedly killed harry one of my problems with it is it's just kind of like what's this you know like this just kind of looks like a a horror game design Mm -hmm. and not like a specific thing but i do like reading the trend of like they're all threatening men yeah that's interesting you brought that up because i wrote a note that just like especially compared to silent hill 2 where i was so into the like enemy design not even just like reading into what they mean just like in general just the way they look like most of the enemy design in this game does so little for me like i think the enemy that scares me the most are the big mosquitoes that fly around swinging their blades but i also think they look so fucking stupid it's just their no, sound just the that noise. scares me yeah. Yeah. um and yeah that the, the thing that kills harry which becomes a normal enemy in the game and is so annoying um like, I hate that design. That's like, I want to read more into it, but I'm also like turned off enough by the design that it's like, I don't really, I don't think they're cool enough to be like, oh, let me read the wiki entries on the giant mosquito. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it, it doesn't, you know, it's just kind of, you have you have those things that the, the names of them are insane cancer, I think. That's like the big kind of sumo wrestler looking things that is again, like, I don't know. And, and I was pretty, I thought the, the whole lead up to the Leonard boss fight, I thought was super yeah. cool. I liked hearing him talk. I liked, you know, kind of Heather going down there and not knowing what was going to happen exactly. But then when he shows up and he's just kind of like, I don't know, a guy who looks kind of fucked up from being in the water a lot. He looks or like, something. I'm sorry. He looks like he's covered in poop. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he looks like the thing from Conker's Bad Fur Day. Exactly, like, he looks he, he like a turd. He is in the sewers. He is, like, a, the little sewer <laughs> I know, gremlin, but, so, like... I mean, realistically, yeah, <laughs> you're gonna look like that. I mean, <laughs> they could have gone back to, like, a tentacle monster, like, in the other sewer area, <laughs> instead of just, like, a big poop. <laughs> it, just, it was very funny looking to me. Yeah, no, it, it's interesting that you looked into the monsters so much for, like, mm. symbolism. Because yeah. when I was going through it, I looked at the environment. Sure. But I, I understand where you come from, because in Silent Hill 2, it definitely is. Like, a lot of it is in the monsters and how they look. Um, but in 3, like, even just 
the way that the fleshy walls are with like the moving pattern it's almost like infected with something yeah and uh, even i don't know like um it's the the, the tunnel th- the whole thing at the end mm-hmm. very uh vaginal imagery oh yeah <laughs> to be mm-hmm. honest yeah. um and just things like that it is definitely more in the virtual space itself rather than mm. what beings are inhabiting it which is very sure. interesting i didn't actually notice that before until you started being like why was the monster design like this it didn't really do anything <laughs> sure. and i'm like oh yeah <laughs> because yeah, it's yeah. in the other stuff yeah that makes sense no that's that's that opened my mind a bit but i do i do want to talk about uh the environments because they are they're so good and like something that kind of starts in the hospital maybe it was a little present in the other things but like starts is like that that the walls are like literally they're like pulsating mm-hmm. like they have like veins in them and okay so let, let's just talk about it now because i think it's like this was something that i had heard about before playing this game but playing it i was still like oh my god that was so well executed is there's the scene where you walk into a room and there's a big mirror there and there's nothing else in the room but the door locks behind you and like nothing's going on on your character model but if you look at the mirror it's like both the room and heather herself just keep getting more like like there's stuff like growing over them and it is really really scary and then eventually like it gets so bad that you start taking damage but the door unlocks and you can leave uh and it's just like it is a very well executed scare oh yeah i was freaking out the first time i got (laughs) locked in that room i was like what the fuck open the door why is the door not opening (laughs) and then yeah i I ended up dying the first time because i didn't realize the door unlocks after a while um Uh (laughs) but but yeah i mean that room is probably my favorite part in the game um up until this point heather well even afterwards heather is sort of fighting for her own identity because it's safe with the cult they they just see her as a lesser they don't see her as cheryl or heather and she's trying to basically take that back take her own autonomy back um kind of it's like we spoke about earlier sort of what uh maria's character was sort of um exploring a bit in born from a wish but yeah yeah i mean this is basically like a, a whole game version of that um so it's really interesting to see her kind of confronting her fears in like a physical way so seeing herself being taken over by like a a dark force i I guess um and just losing control of herself and the situation um and also at the very beginning of the game i think she mentions she doesn't like mirrors in general Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. so i think that's very much like a a fear that she had instilled in her from Probably from birth, to be honest. <laughs> Maria, there's something you say in your Silent Hill 3 video I was hoping you could talk about. I don't have like a specific question about it other than just like asking you to say more on it. Is that Heather, all the characters see Heather as a vessel of some sort. And it's like, yes. obviously, I, I got that with the cult, you know, playing the game. But I think I kind of missed that through all the ca- other characters. Like um, the cop whose name escapes me or Vincent, no, like... Douglas, Walter, Douglas, I can't. You can, yeah. cannot keep Douglas's <laughs> name in your head. <laughs> but I was wondering if, yeah, it's the Douglas, the impossible name. Uh, I was wondering if you could expand on that beyond just like the cult, because I think that's the most obvious part of like how they see Heather as a vessel. So I don't remember what I said in my video because it's, it's a few years old now, and I don't even remember mm. what I say in like my very recent videos. Um, sure. <laughs> but I think 
with Douglas, I kind of saw it as he has guilt over his son, um, yeah, but yeah, also yeah. guilt over this whole situation because he kind of led the cult to Harry and got him killed. That, that was like his fault. Um, so for him, helping Heather is kind of uh, almost like a redemption for him. He kind of sees it as a chance to, oh, I couldn't save my son, but I can save Heather. Um, also, I caused this whole mess. Let me fix it. Um, so yeah, that that's definitely how I kind of see Douglas's outlook um, in terms of like Heather as a vessel. Uh, I'm trying to think who else there is that isn't cult related. I mean, Vincent's, yeah, I mean, like, Vincent's part of the cult. Yeah. But he, yeah, he's like ousted from the cult at this point, right? Like, I don't think he wants Heather to birth the god. Yeah, I think with Vincent, just in terms of like opposing Claudia, he might just be using Heather for that, basically. Sure. Yeah. Um, kind well, of. I mean, and we do. We know that Vincent just loves like manipulating yeah. Heather. He he just likes that he has yeah. power over her, that he can kind of make her question her own sanity and stuff. Oh yeah, he's a little shithead. Like he will just mess around. <laughs> yeah. He just wants to fuck shit up. Like he's a yeah. Shit. I didn't even think about it in Douglas's Douglas well Douglas's case. Douglas, like how he is. I don't think he's like nefariously using Heather, but like I hadn't even thought about like he is trying to use her for his own like redemption arc that makes heather's own like desperate fight for autonomy all the more interesting once you think about like beyond the cult how she's just kind of like been not in charge her whole life even like growing up she's not allowed to just be like a normal kid she's got to move around and escape this cult and also i mean kind of live in the shadow of her you know weird god sister this whole time like i hadn't really thought about that until watching your video last night i mean and there is that part that this is it's jumping ahead but i i want to talk about it uh there's that part where douglas like points a gun at heather you yeah, know what was up he, with that he, yeah he like considers killing her and i think i guess my read on it was him being like I, I mean, I think he says it. He's like, maybe I can stop this all right now if I kill you or whatever. But it is this, like, even the most trustworthy other person that, that Heather has, like, like explicitly considers killing her, like, points a gun yep. at her. And, and is just, it is that kind of, like, you know, even though they kind of end on good terms, it very much, like, reinforces this feeling of, like, Heather does not really have anyone in her corner. Yeah. You know, yeah, like, she is yeah. very alone for this whole narrative. Yeah, and it's sad with, with her dad as well, because he was the only person that she had. Um, but you see in notes as well that even he considered killing her too. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. It's all, like, just very isolating for her. Um, and it's also interesting that all of these characters, uh, apart from Claudia... Um, are all men as well it, it, it's this it's a plot point that i really like and i can think of i guess a couple other things that do it which is like when a character is born or made for like a very specific purpose but they are also like alive and don't want to be just that thing um uh like i don't i don't think you have though i could be wrong uh, maria have did you ever watch buffy the vampire slayer um, i've watched saw... buffy the vampire slayer <laughs> okay, I take it back. I'm so sorry. Come on now. I sorry, saw a Maria. few episodes, <laughs> but um, yeah, not that many. Uh, Blake, how much? How much have you watched, bro? It's been 20 years, but I loved that show as a kid. Um, so there's this this very like weird and kind of controversial thing they did in season five, which like 
is kind of annoying on the show, but it's so interesting conceptually, where um, they just give Buffy a sister that you've mm. never seen before yeah, in the yeah, fifth yeah. season, and they're they're like, uh, you know, the the last part of the first episode of season five is her mom's like and buffy can you take your sister to the mall and both buffy and the sister that you've never seen are like mom um and it turns out it turns out that the sister is like uh some sort of like kind of key like an enchanted object that is made into a person and like the you know the kind of drama of that season is a lot like this person is a thing that represents the ability to end the world but also she is like a person and so like what do you do with that kind of like you know killing her might mean you save the world but also like you can't just kill a person if you want to be kind of good uh and so as always i just find it a really interesting I mean, plot point i think a lot of the heather and harry stuff in this game is similar to the Joel and Ellie stuff in The Last of Us Part 2, which we just played. You know, I think, like, Heather in some ways occupies a similar place for Harry that Ellie does for Joel, where it's like, I don't know, I don't know enough about Harry. But it's like, when you read a lot of his writing, he is kind of in conflict with himself about Heather's place in his life versus Cheryl, who, like, Heather is kind of a replacement for that's like, it's impossible for me to not think about, like, the game we just played last season and the way Ellie mm -hmm. is, like, a replacement for Sarah in Joel's life. Yeah, and, and that even, you know, Heather Heather is viewed, you know, th by Harry as kind of, like, he's like, here's the one good thing I did versus, like, here's yeah. a person who has, yeah. like, her own thoughts and desires and stuff. Yeah, and I mean, it also seems based on Harry's writing that it is someone he had to learn to love the same way Joel had to learn to love Ellie. Like, yeah. it's, you don't see his all his writings and he's like, got a new daughter, this is sick. He's like, should I kill this little girl? Should I murder her? Would that be okay? So, like, there's some interesting stuff there. Um. Okay, let's see. Uh, my, my last note about the hospital um, is... Uh, Leonard shows up and Heather says is every person here a mental case which I wrote down I was like Heather is veering into Leon <laughs> oh, Kennedy no. territory like, Heather she's, rocks she's dude. just like dropping one line Heather rocks so much I love her she's the uh, best James could never did you get the um the toilet scene in the mall did you guys get that I didn't but I've seen it yeah oh she, yeah I did yeah. where she yeah. she's like what kind of person would do that and she looks right at the camera <laughs> yeah so good. Oh, actually, there's there's one other thing uh, that's interesting in the hospital is there's a save icon, but when you click on it, it like shows a video of Lisa. Yep. Uh, which I just thought was like really cool, and I I love when it's like time to save my game, and then it like subverts. That's it, a and you do something else. That's a screenshot from the first game, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, okay. Uh, then you. Okay, so it's. I have I've written down it's been it's only been like three days since I played this, but it's like the story of this is very confusing. Uh Vincent was apparently the one who sent Heather to the hospital. Um No one knows. Who could know? Yeah. Um and then Claudia's mad because Heather killed Leonard and Leonard was Claudia's dad. Um but also Leonard maybe abused Claudia, at least according yes. to Vincent. Yeah. Yeah. Leonard was not a nice man. Apparently, is is there anything more to say about this, this story beat or this this stuff? Because I'm really I, the thing is I can't remember exactly where it says, uh, 
this information. It might have been in a collectible of sorts or a file, but uh, I do remember that he would be abusive towards Claudia, um, sort of uh, pushing certain expectations that she couldn't possibly meet. And she, as a result, kind of attached herself even more to the cult. And that's sort of where she sort of found her, I guess, family, in a sense, or belonging anyways. Mm -hmm. Um, And she just becomes really obsessed with having, like, this perfect world and perfect God um, because of her experience with her father. And I guess the whole, like, the whole theme that she keeps talking about of, like, you know, through, through suffering or, like, with hate in your heart or whatever, you'll create kind of the God that can make the perfect world. It does kind of... You know, if if her whole obsession is kind of coping from, uh, you know, a trauma of a parental figure or whatever, like that does track, I guess, that that she would kind of be like this suffering has to mean something. Have you all I mean, Jacob and spoiler for Nebula listeners, we're going to talk about this movie on the bonus pod. But just to bring it up, have either of you all seen the French film Martyrs? No. no. OK, it's like a no. very just like notorious new French extremity film. But the whole plot of that film is a cult that is trying to see God or see what's in the afterlife by bringing a person. Oh God. Um, It's like uh, some silent hill logic here of how confusing this shit gets to the most extreme point of pain possible. Like bring them through suffering to a point of suffering where they're still alive and still coherent enough to express thoughts that is like essentially the same plot of like or the same belief system of the cult of silent hill and my question about this other than saying go watch martyrs is a pretty fucking good movie don't watch the american remake is like what is there to read into pain into salvation i mean i guess there is the whole chris like typical historical religious (laughs) belief but like silent, but I, I understand that. But it's like there's a level of pain and torture that both these films or this game and this film series hint at. Like I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not doing a good job asking my question. But like, what do you all take away from like this level of personal suffering has to happen for like salvation to come? I think in like um, Claudia's case, mm-hmm. it's more of a, I went through all this pain and suffering, it can't have just been for nothing, right? Why would my god make me go through all of this? It must be because there's a reward at the end. I think that's yeah. kind of how they're seeing but it. But I mean, like, the infliction of the suffering on Cheryl, and I guess now Heather, or Alyssa, or whichever one it was. Like, it, it's extreme to such a point that I don't know, like, what the takeaway is supposed to be other than it's a horror game and we want to make you feel bad. Well, I think, I mean, I I think it is if, like, the the thematic stuff to read with the cult is obviously just, like, how does this compare to religions that we actually have? Sure. And there's, like, th- there's a really interesting note, actually, later on that you find that's talking about, like, the origins of the cult. And then it says, like it has kind of been warped by its interaction with Christianity that it's like, I think it says um, colonialism specifically. Yeah. um, Yeah. And so it's like, you know, the the cult is changing, but like the whole, I, I think the kind of, the most interesting horror territory to go with religion or one of the most interesting is like, you know, if 
how how far will you take this belief that you are doing the right thing? You know, it was it was just Rosh Hashanah uh, for for Jews. Shana Tova, everyone. Uh, on Rosh Hashanah, you read the um, uh, the Binding of Isaac by Edmund McMillan. Yeah, he wrote that. Y'all um, just y'all just play that in the synagogue for a little while. <laughs> yeah, I'm really good at it, so I always get to be the one to do it. Um, you know, and the Binding of Isaac is like this dude who hears God tell him to kill his son. And he's like, yep, time to do it. And it's like, that's such an insane thing to do that it's just kind of like, obviously it is, it is kind of a very compelling idea of like, is if you, if you cared about this religion to the maximum extent, because you believed it would cause paradise, wouldn't you just do anything? And that combined with Christianity centering a, a tortured and then murdered man yeah. as like their their highest their fucking pinnacle you know like they if you're if you're catholic you put it up in the front of every church or is it protestants i can't remember who has the like bloody jesus's all of them catholics especially they love jesus up on that cross yeah i, I think it might be uh yeah catholic because there is there is the line of like some consider it idolatry and some don't but anyway it is yeah it is just like christianity is so bound up with the idea of suffering and and so i i think it's you know it is just this kind of natural point of fascination of like how far do you take that well it's interesting specifically to silent hill right like because I mean, it's not that, like, Christianity or Catholicism don't exist in Japan. They're just not, like, predominant religions there the way they are in America. But, like, the Silent Hill series, and this is not too dissimilar to some of the stuff we talked about with, like, politics and Killer7. But, like, it is a Japanese game made to reflect what they think of, like, America in a lot of ways. And the idea they seem to have about, like, for these religions to work... And they're pulling from a lot of, like, Protestant, Christian, and Catholicism imagery and messaging. It's like, someone's got to fucking suffer for the good of the mm-hmm. world. And it's it's interesting the extremes they take it to. Like, I think Catholic suffering is just, like, you got to live. And you got to, like, be so scared of God constantly that one day he'll love you. Which is, like, a very strange thing. And then warped into the Silent Hill world, it's like this poor little girl has to go through like suffering that is not actually possible through human means. Yeah, you know it, the the very very simplified uh, kind of like jokey things that you can say about each sect is like Catholicism is like uh, you know if if shit happens we deserve it. And Protestants are like this shit won't happen if we work harder. Uh, you know, and and both of them are kind of like <laughs> combining here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's I, I you know it's like I think. I almost wish the cult stuff was more abstract in this game because I think it would give me more room to think about this kind of stuff. And they actually devote so much specificity to it that I feel like it kind of it gets away from the allegories that I do think it's trying to make. Is there anything with like the Silent Hill series and Judaism that you've picked up? Because I think there's like some like iconography in the second game you can kind of see, but are there there's any... in in the first bathroom? There's like Hebrew writing on okay. the walls, and yeah. there's some oh. other stuff. I I kind of don't read that much into it. It's kind sure. of like the Evangelion thing where he was just like, I just thought it looked cool, you know, with like the <laughs> religious iconography. Yeah, like obviously it's like hebrew's very old and so like having it there implies this kind of like very like a long uh history of like weird stuff going on but like in terms of 
specific Jewish themes. Sure. These games are just so interested in, like, suffering, and suffering is just kind of more of a Christian thing than, like, Jews don't have hell, you know? So it's like, there's not not as much to talk about. I think it is specifically very, it's a very Catholic game. Yeah, well, and and the whole fucking blood theme. Uh, Exactly. There's, like, its own version of kind of the Stations of the Cross in the church that you can see that tell out the story of, like, where this religion is kind of birthed from and its modern uh-huh. era. Um, but yeah, I was just curious because that stuff that would all fly over my head, the Judaism aspect. Well, another thing with the religion is that I remember Leonard was also very, very obsessive uh, when it came to the cult's religion. And he would, I think when he was a patient in um, the hospital, he would sort of try and force his religion on pretty much anyone else there that he could find. And I think he even may have killed someone over a dispute about religion. Um, And I think just in general, he would get very aggressive and violent um, when it came to that sort of thing. So that also makes me wonder if Claudia almost took after her father in that sense and just sort of saw it as I'm more devoted if I'm willing to go to these lengths to show that devotion. For sure. Um, you know, and, and I was just going to say, there is this, we'll talk about it at the end of the game, uh, they essentially want Heather to, like, immaculately conceive, mm-hmm. you know? True. that that <laughs> it, it, true. Or, or, like, that's the, you know, it, it's kind of, it's interesting to walk through all of this because it's like the game has so many things that kind of imply sexual assault. Uh, and so it's like the, the her, her forced birth is either kind of because of that and or this parallel to like the virgin mary uh, both of which are like extremely weird things to yeah. put a 17 year old girl in that place well hearing you bring a, i hadn't even thought about the immaculate conception but like it makes so much sense visually for this game but like i read the way i read heather in this game and kind of its view of her is she is a virgin so it makes sense that like she is what am i trying to say well, that that she would only be immaculately conceived. Exactly. You know, it's right, not it's right, not right, like right. a punishment for <laughs> right. her having sex. Right. I lost my train of thought in the middle of that, but like I, but I hadn't actually thought like that is explicitly pulling on the immaculate mm-hmm. conception right um, now. Yeah. So I, I, cool. I I like you know of the cult stuff in this game. My favorite part of it is kind of thinking about those connections. Sure. Um, hmm. From the hospital, we go to uh, the place we started the game in. The amusement park. And Heather says the funniest fucking shit when she walks in the front door of this level. She walks in and she just looks at where she is. It dawns on her and she goes, look, I'm from Kentucky. And her inner Kentucky and came out right here. She just goes, oh, hell. (laughs) (laughs) My mind, dude. It was so fucking funny. The level was fine, though. It didn't really do a ton for me except for the Haunted Mansion, which was the sixth part of the whole game. You know, I uh, I I got hit by the roller coaster again, and then realized, oh, okay, you have to go in and turn it off. And then even when you turn it off, it still comes back on. But she has like time to jump off the tracks beforehand. Um, yeah, I think we can skip past most of this stuff. Let's talk about the haunted house. The best part of the game: cooking with gas. Finally, here we go. Uh, Maria, tell me your thoughts on it. Um, so Bully Haunted Mansion is a very interesting one. It's basically. It kind of feels like Vincent's character as a building. So he's just tormenting Heather. Um, He's got his little weird traps and stuff. He's like, something will fall down and he'd be like, oh, it didn't work as expected. Sorry about that. It was supposed to hit you kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) 
And um, there would be, I, I think, was it the corridors would like loop you round or they would be backwards or something like that. Um, so I, yeah, it was just kind of, tonally, it was a shift from the rest sure. of the game um, just because parts of it did feel quite silly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I almost, I really respected that. <laughs> Just because how funny it was. It reminds me of the elevator in Silent Hill 2, where it's like For so sure. out of left field that you would yeah. be playing a trivia game. There's, I, I want to say it's the Aesir Aesthetics video, where he effectively just does a commentary over the game and speaks throughout like the entire length of the game. I think it was him that said um, he reads this as poking fun at the Resident Evil series, which I thought was really interesting, the way like all the frames are shot to make sure like you see the jump scare but like you're also safe throughout a lot of it like except for when the red gas chases you like the whole function of this level is to cheaply scare you which is like i think a pretty cynical take on the resident evil series and maybe i'm you know putting words into his mouth here but i do like the idea that it is kind of winking at nudging at series that rely on more like cliche scares than the Silent Hill series does. Yeah, I mean, it is, you know, it is it is incredibly similar in a lot of ways to just, like, Disney's Haunted Mansion. You know, like, yeah. the actual ride. Because there's even that thing where he's, like, uh, uh, it's like, oh, this was the the site of, like, uh, they all murdered each other. Oh, I'm kidding, it wasn't murder. But- it was suicide! And then there's, like, lightning flashes and you see someone, like, hanging outside, which is, like, a thing that the Haunted Mansion does. But, like... I don't know, kind of meeting you in the middle and the the poking fun at other horror games is a lot of horror games will do like Haunted Mansion style shit. Like um, For sure. the beginning of one of the dead spaces where it's like through a lot of it, you're basically safe. You just have to walk in and like the guy will pull the knife on you and be like, oh, my God, is this guy going to get me? And then he slits his. Yeah, yeah. He slits his. Uh, what is this? What is this part of your body called? Throat. <laughs> he slits his throat. I was he like, are you trying to think like, of an artery? No, yeah. just throat. You walk into a room and the thing hits the window and it's really scary. And it's like it does feel like it is like kind of making fun of that because at least the Silent Hills I've played, like the horror does not operate on that way, which has a lot in common with like Haunted Mansion, where it's like the actors can't touch you, you know, like you are very safe throughout this whole thing. It's only, it's only pretend scary. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I thought it was good, except I did die in the red mist yeah, part, and then you have same. to like do the whole Haunted Mansion uh, but, again. But if you have to redo it, all the doors are unlocked for you, so you can just skip right past it. Yeah, it's true. It's yeah. nice. Um, let's see. There's a, uh, okay. So we find out that Douglas was hired by Claudia is a, a plot uh-huh. point that happens to, to track her down, but then kind of had a change of heart. Um, uh, there's, there's music in this theme or this scene that sounds like the Metal Gear Solid 4 love theme, which is like one of the best tracks ever written for a video game. So I was just sure. very excited to hear that. And um, the actress that plays Claudia is Donna Burke, who sang the Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater theme. Donna Burke was also, uh, Angela, what, Angela, right? Okay. Yeah. And is also the voice for the J.R. Shinkansen line in Japan. So if you take those uh bullet trains you'll hear her tell Is you like oh, this- oh my gosh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, i'm going so there in october let's go uh, if you google like uh just donna burke japan train it'll tell you which <laughs> trains use her because they like th- in most of the trains it'll do the japanese reading and then the english reading and donna burke is some of them yeah, oh, uh, I not hope all. It's on the rail pass because that's what yeah. I have. She better be on that. I'll find it for you and I'll send it to you. Uh, <laughs> one of the things Douglas says 
when he's talking to Claudia in the scene, Claudia's like, oh, I'm remembering about paradise, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Douglas says something that truly threw me for a fucking loop. He says, yeah, it's a paradise for castrated sheep. And then I wrote in all caps, what does that mean? I forgot he said that. (laughs) (laughs) I I think he's just saying, wake up sheeple. I think that's what he's saying. That he's just, he's just like, you fucking cult, you'll like blindly follow your leader. Wake up sheeple. He's, uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's QAnon pilled. He's Banksy, yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. Jacob, Maria, are you all glad we live in an era where we don't have to talk about Banksy as a creative genius anymore? (laughs) We're glad we've all grown past that idiot. Yeah, I'm happy we're past the Facebook art era. Yeah, for sure. We are. I think think there are millions of people that are still uh, still in that era. I'm about to Um, move to New York. Maybe I'll see some Banksy's on my morning commute to the Big Apple or whatever. I I hope you do. I will fucking demolish whatever building they're on. Uh, Okay, after this is maybe my favorite uh, boss fight, question mark, uh, in the game, Mm. uh, where you, you get on a carousel, and the first thing you have to do is kill every horse on the carousel, which is an incredibly weird thing to have to do. That it's just like all the horses on poles that are going up and down. You go up to them with your katana and just fucking slash them until they die. And you do it like 12 times. Mm-hmm. Very reminiscent um, of the American Ring remake where all those horses get chopped up. Oh, it's a deep cut. Uh, it was not a good joke, but it was a joke. Uh, and then um, uh, Alyssa shows up. Or you, or something. Um, it's like a you know the fucked up version of Heather shows up, and you fight her four times, uh, which is more. It's like I would have saved my ammo if I knew that I was going to have to shoot I mean, her four times. It is Alyssa very specifically because she leaves a note on the ground when yes. you yeah. kill her that I thought was so fascinating. Where she was like, "One, Heather, you're a fucking idiot. Two, I was." killing you to try to like spare you the suffering i went through which i thought was like so fascinating yeah uh it's you know mechanically i I can kind of take it or leave it but like i like i i think it totally makes sense for heather's character in this game to have to fight like herself uh you know it's like it's a it's a very uh thematically appropriate boss fight yeah it very much plays into the identity uh crisis i guess that she's having throughout um, and to kind of, it, it makes you wonder how much of Alessa is Heather and vice versa, like how much of her exists in her head. Clearly, subconsciously, she she's there um, because that's how she's able to be manifested, I guess. Um, but it's just nice to see something directly from Alessa because it's very rare that you get that. It's kind of, it feels like it's coming more from Heather herself um, as opposed to her. So yeah, I really like that note and I really like the boss fight as well, as much as, uh, even though you have to fight her four times. Um, <laughs> but it, it was just nice. It was kind of like a continuation of the the mirror scene. Yes, yeah, ex- uh, absolutely. Um, and then actually continuing the idea of how much, how much of uh, Alessa's in Heather, um, the next scene, you go talk to Claudia, and it, it's this very kind of funny thing that's, again, like, Heather is a smart character, you know, like, she she knows what she's doing, where she goes and she kind of, like, pretends to be Alessa for a while while talking to Claudia, and then kind of, like, gets more and more pissed off until she kind of, like, drops the act, but, like, I just, I, I thought it was, like, I was like, oh, that's smart, you know, that it's, like, they're wrestling over this thing, and so Heather's gonna go, and she's going to be like, uh, yeah, Alessa won, 
it's me now. That's that's the deal. Um, and then Claudia <laughs> says so much dumb shit that she like can't keep it up. Uh, but Heather says, I think suffering is a fact of life. You get used to it or go under, uh, which I thought was a very interesting line. Uh, you know, it's kind of, I, I guess, a, a contrast to uh, Claudia, who's like, my suffering has to mean something. I guess it yeah. means paradise. And Heather's like, eh. We all suffer. You know, that's that's what being alive is. Uh, and you don't have to kill the world because of it. Yeah. Heather's for Heather's just like life sucks. Then you die. Get over it, lady. And especially with Alessa's memories, um, what she went through is arguably way, way worse than anything Claudia has been through. And so for her to say that is like, OK, well, Claudia, this whole thing you're doing with the cult kind of pointless. Uh, you just kill people for no reason. So, yeah. It was like an insult to her as well. Is, are there any other cult members at this point in Silent Hill? Or is Claudia just kind of like doing it for I mean, herself? She's the only one we see. Right. And I mean, Vincent's line of, um, oh, what was it? Uh, they look like monsters to you. Oh, we're, I think we're going to talk about that Vincent line. Yeah. yeah. It kind of makes you wonder, well, maybe you could have right. come across the cult members and you just bashed them to death with a with a crowbar. Um, so, yeah. I guess you do come across <laughs> one other one because you go into the um, reconciliation booth and talk to someone who is a cult member. But yeah. OK, let's talk about that scene. I So, yeah, you go into uh, I mean, it's a confession booth, right? Yeah. What do I call it? Is it reconciliation? Yeah, it's a Catholic word for it. Is yeah, it confession booth? Okay. Yeah. Well, the 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 ritual is of reconciliation. You go to oh, confession okay. for reconciliation. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's okay, probably cool. just called I've... a confession booth, but um, yeah. Yeah. So this is it's the one time in the game that there's a dialogue choice um where you you get to choose if you like forgive this person or not. Um uh what did y'all do? I forgave her. Uh, I I don't think I did. I was like fuck you. I've been oh! through shit today. Is there, is, been through the worst is there like a difference? Does it does it change? Uh, yes, anything? yes. So it does change the ending. Um and I don't know so for me I was just like, oh I guess yeah, it is just the ending thing. I don't know if it's supposed to represent anything else really. Um but I think it's more just how much I guess how in line are you with the cult's thinking? I believe was mm. what I was testing. And I went to Catholic okay. school all my life, so I'm pretty in line with their thing. You're pretty for in sure. Line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, but you can only get one ending on your first playthrough, it looks like. Other other or unlike Silent Hill 2, uh it's like everything else is kind of a new game plus. There is a bad uh, ending, ending though. Which I thought was yes. interesting. Yeah, where Heather like I think it's implied kills Douglas or something. Yeah, the possessed ending, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's what it's called. There is a UFO ending as well, which My is favorite. Uh, again hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So here's I I saw someone talking about online that they were like Vincent gives like the the line of this game or the most memorable line of the game where Heather runs into Vincent. He's just you know yanking her around again. Um, and, uh, and then he says, he says the monsters aren't monsters. He says Heather enjoys killing. Uh, and he says, oh, you know, they yeah. look like monsters to you, which to me, it, it kind of felt like at the end of Uncharted, where the villain is like, you think I'm bad. Think about all the people you killed. Where I was just like, I just don't really buy it. 
Um, but, you know, I'm willing to be wrong. So, like, there's a lot of lore and history in Silent Hill of the town. And I really don't give a shit about most of it. Like, I like the idea of Silent Hill as just this this weird place with mm-hmm. not, not really much you can read into. The only thing lore-wise I am really into are the different versions of Silent Hill that exist per person. And, like, this hints at, like, if you are a person free of trauma or sin, like, you can go to Silent Hill and it's still, like, a nice little lake town resort, like, tourist trap. Um, I am a little surprised people seem, like, so enamored with it because it also just seems like Laura's, one of the unspoken things of Laura's plotline of Silent Hill 2 is, like, she can just go there and everything's chill. Like, I like that it hints at this is not a fundamentally fucked up place for everyone, but I don't think it's, like, that big of a moment for me, the way it hits for other people. Where I thought Laura's, like, the way Laura's story implied that Silent Hill can be normal was far more fascinating. Yeah, I kind of, I I, I don't, I think with Vincent's character, taking him at face value here would probably be, be a mistake you know it's like i don't think the implication is like heather has killed hundreds of people i because that's kind of what the line seems to mean but it's just i kind of i think he's i think he's just fucking with her like i i think think that he's just being an asshole i because i don't i i read it more literally than you do maria what about you i i think that vincent's just so fucked up he's probably seen gross monsters but he just thinks they're like angels because he's just a, a freaking mm. weirdo. So, <laughs> yeah. which he's proved throughout the game. I mean, that's not a stretch, but yeah. So I, I kind of think it's just him. Uh, I, I guess it's representative of his uh, just weird religious views with the cult because he yeah, yeah. he's still a cult member um, and it could just be that because uh, the only other possibility is that Heather's been killing random normal people which i don't think is happening yeah it's Um, like this game has like a the game has like a happy ending you know it's like if you take him literally then it's like heather goes back to society having like massacred a hundred people which i just (laughs) don't think is like i don't think that helps the reading of the game that's video games baby (laughs) that's how it works Video games are what we choose to take as literal and what we choose to take as metaphor. I don't think I, I don't think she's killing people. I don't know because we talked about this with Eddie whether or not he was killing normal people. Yeah, and but Eddie's like- a lunatic. You know, it's like Heather hasn't done anything that would like make her want to kill but, hundreds of people. But isn't it an interesting shadow on the game to think that, like, oh, maybe this poor girl has accidentally killed a bunch of people? I just, it's like, it just doesn't mean anything thematically. Like, I don't know how it changes my reading of Heather to be like, oh, yeah, and actually she killed 200 people. But does it change your reading of Silent Hill as a town? I, yeah, I would think, oh, it's a more boring metaphor now. If, like, Shut literally up. every monster is <laughs> just, like, a guy walking around. Shut up. No, I like it. I'm into it. I think... I don't think it's as interesting as Laura's plotline, which basically says the exact same thing, but with more subtlety. But, like, I'm into the idea of the different versions of Silent Hill. I don't care about the history and all that. And At one point, the town was red because the butchers washed their knives in it. But I love the idea of, like... Angela's Silent Hill looks different. Eddie's Silent Hill looks different. Whatever Heather is seeing is different than what might be the reality of Silent Hill. I think that shit rocks. I think it's so such a cool concept. Yeah, I I totally agree. You know, and I just like with 
in the same vein that, like, I don't think James actually made it 400 feet underground when he was going down into, like, the historical society or the prison. It's, like, I think as part of seeing different Silent Hills, right. they, they are just imagining things that are happening that don't need to have, like, a literal analog in the real world. But it's cool. <laughs> but, it, but it's cool. <laughs> hey, write in something Ron podcast at gmail.com. What do you yeah, think, listeners? Subject line, but it's cool, no body text. Everyone agree with me. I know you will. Uh, okay. Uh, th- there's So we're in a church now. Uh, that's the last level of the game. Uh, one cool part of this is that the, like, the map is like a hand-drawn with like crayon. Yeah. It's like a kid's yeah. uh, drawing, which I think is neat. I think um, it's supposed to be like one of Alessa's drawings because yes, you can find more yeah. of her drawings in her Oh, bedroom. right. Okay. Um, cool. Uh, the church starts going buck wild uh truly the most the most like visually wretched part of the game is just like these rooms are like almost completely like inscrutable where they're just like bathed in like red light and the monsters Mm -hmm. are just like silhouettes and everything's like crawling all over the walls it is gross in a way that i think is very cool Uh, it's annoying to play through because there are so many fucking enemies but like yeah this is the peak of the hell world where shit is so fucked up it's so just like i just felt so bad the whole time playing through this area yeah it's just so oppressive in comparison Mm -hmm. to the other areas um it's also very hard to see (laughs) <laughs> where you're going yeah it's like randomly very dark uh and all you see yeah. is like the movement of the weird fleshy walls uh very unsettling but um yeah i think thematically that it's definitely the strongest point um for that kind of uh body horror i think this is the point in the game where i boosted the brightness settings just to like be able to navigate through this level yeah it, it is very difficult to see there is uh there's a part of this level that i really like where it's like deep in you know the third floor basement of the church you find like kind of harry's room almost but it's like it's like a normal room with a window and like the window has like natural light coming in and it's where you can find like harry's diary or something but it's it's that very cool like moment of peace that is uh both like oh my gosh it's so it's such a relief to find it but also you're like this also feels weird because i know what the hallway outside is like and so it doesn't make sense that this room is so chill i really liked finding all the rooms for the characters of silent hill one like you find the hospital room that lisa and alessa would have been in and you find alessa's room and i thought all that shit was so so Mm -hmm. cool and well done i agree um uh here's a note uh metatron i know it is actually a word from the bible it sounds so dumb whenever they would talk about metatron i was like that's a transformer yeah jacob i had the same fucking thought i said this sounds too transformers for me to take it seriously please call it something different. <laughs> yeah so metatron's there uh so you get through you get through the whole church uh you walk into a room uh vincent and claudia are arguing um heather walks into the room Claudia uses the opportunity to stab Vincent. Uh, that's what what happens at this? I, this is the part of the dialogue where they're just talking about cult stuff that I would like. I would be listening to it and I would forget it as soon as it was said. Sure, I don't know what happens. Vincent dies. You fight God, who looks like Mary from Silent Hill Two for some reason. Yeah, I mean, there's there's cool <laughs> stuff uh, at other places in here. So Heather Heather kind of becomes Alyssa. 
and then she mm-hmm. like wrestles it back out and, of her. Dude, it looks so cool. The fucking red shit that covers her body then slowly disappears. I was like, that is technically very impressive for a 20 year old game. Yeah, th- yeah, this game, I mean, we talked about it in the first episode. This game just looks, no game needs to look better than this. Oh, like yeah. it looks yeah. so good. Yeah, peaked right here. Uh, th- there is this interesting part where you are given control of the character and Vincent is dead on the ground and Claudia is just standing there. And I thought, time to hit Claudia with my mace. Uh, and then I did it and then that game over is you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I shot it and died immediately. Yeah, I did I that as to, well. Did, yeah. So when you all played it, did you all have to look up what to do to get it right? Um, yeah. No, Same. no. So oh. I kind of have a habit of checking like everything in my inventory <laughs> oh sure and all sure. of the descriptions and basically remembering it um and then i think it took me a few like i tested everything using everything <laughs> that i had um and then i came to the uh the the necklace i forget the name the proper name but um the one that harry gives her for protection and it worked and i was like oh shit i'm a genius um but yeah <laughs> yeah i uh i went to ign.com and got the answer <laughs> for that one. Oh, ign.com from the costume of silent hill 3 <laughs> that's right that's right that's right um okay so here's what i wrote for this section heather aborts a god is that Fuck is yeah, that the dude. reading of it because heather yes. there's there is like yeah. there's a pill yeah in uh there's a pill in the pendant that her father gave her and you eat the pill, and then you vomit up the fetus of the god that you were supposedly birthing. It's yeah. like, I don't know how to read this within the text of the game, because all I can see is, oh, Heather aborts god. I mean, I think that's the only reading. Yeah. This game has right. so much abortion imagery. Like, one of the first items you pick up is a coat hanger. Right. So I think, like, I think that's mm-hmm. just very explicitly, like, yeah, like, it's an abortion. It's just the world's most effective morning after pill, so... You know, they had to put that in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but uh, here's what they didn't account for. Uh, you throw up the baby, and then someone else immediately decides to eat it, which is Dude, it what rolls. Claudia does. <laughs> it rules. I'm such a sucker for horror media being like, what's the grossest possible thing that could happen right now? And Claudia not eating a baby is truly like spoke to my instincts as a horror fan. Fucking foul. I just imagine like nothing happening after she ate the baby. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Heather's like, what did you think that just would do? Awkward just silence a, in the room. A very small burp from Claudia in the credits roll. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, uh, Claudia, Claudia eats this, uh, she falls down no, a hole. No, Okay. No. Okay. Valtiel comes and gets her, which, Jacob, we have yet to talk about Valtiel, which I am led to believe is one of the most important parts of this game. Uh, we might have to skip over it, because who the fuck could possibly know what any of that stuff is, but there are books upon books on the internet you can read of people writing about this god, or angel, Valtiel, which is basically controlling the entire game he will drag heather's body off when you die occasionally did this ever happen for you no that cutscene is kind of um it's random as far as i'm aware uh but i did get it once and it freaked me out (laughs) so it never happened for me occasionally when you die volatile will show up drag your body the implication being so like you see volatile tons of jacob did you ever notice the monster turning the valve and levels like you climb up and there's a monster turning a red valve. No. He's all over the game. Voltile's everywhere in this game. And he's usually turning a valve, which is supposed to signify like 
rebirth. You know, like Heather giving birth to God, etc. So it'll show up when you die, take your body, and take you to a point of rebirth to bring you back. It's just kind of a meta wink and nod at the idea of game reloading a save after you die in a game. But Voltaire shows up to, like, bring about God's birth onto into Silent Hill, and that's who comes up and grabs uh, Claudia. If you ask me, this whole Voltaire thing is only as important as you want to make it, but it is basically the creature you see throughout the entire game that is uh, making the story actually happen in the background. It's all interesting stuff. We don't need to talk about it anymore, but that's, like, why a monster shows up, grabs her, and is down in the bottom, like, helping bring a bring about the god's birth got it uh, as far as i'm aware yes literally mary's character model from silent hill 2 i think um you can kind of make parallels with um like the pyramid thing in silent hill 2 it's sort of there to yeah yeah yeah. bring james to the eventual realization um and Mm -hmm. the ending i guess so yeah in this game it's uh it's valtiel uh just sort of in the background though it's not as um at the forefront like a pyramid thing but yeah, I think you got the right reading on that. Sure, I think the big difference is Pyramid Head is ultimately the big homie at the end. He's a good guy, and Voltaire seems uh, extremely evil to me. <laughs> so bad. But yeah, Jacob, uh, when you replay this game, you'll you'll see you'll see the little man in the background. He's everywhere. He is everywhere. Okay, the little man turning the crank. Um. Uh. Well, so my note on this is, uh, wow, that god looks so cool. Uh, I love the design of this thing. Sure. Mary it has Silent it has its fucking weird okay well mary from silent hill 2 did not have like her rib cage sticking out of her back and like it's <laughs> i a, know but it's just her i think i think in the uh you know there there are many different ways that games uh represent like weird gods uh and stuff and like i i really like you know this feels like the god that silent hill would come up with you know that it is just so kind of like it is feminine in a way and you can see it's kind of human shape but also it's just all of its like organs are exposed and you're just like shooting its spine and making it fall down the fight sucks but like i you know i don't expect like a thrilling fight necessarily can we talk about this fight sure i here's my take it's not fun it's so bad (laughs) uh i would say Balteus in Armor Core gave me less trouble than this fucking boss. I it took me like half an hour to beat this fucking boss. Um oh. I didn't have enough yeah, I didn't have enough ammo. It was just killing me constantly. It took me I I almost gave up and watched the ending on YouTube before finally like luck was on my side and I beat it. I thought this was such a nightmare. Yeah. I just like it's probably a me problem. I didn't end up with enough ammo for the fight, and it's a survival horror game. It's not yeah. gonna throw you a bow skill issue, and you help know? you out. Yeah. It was a skill issue for <laughs> sure. I need to get good. I I'm not good at video games. We all know this. Uh, <laughs> this took me like a solid half an hour of just like increasingly getting more and more angry. It um, did, which is I, bad. I, I, I was down to my pistol at like the. It's just like. What's weird about the game, or not weird, but it's just a, you know, it's a design change, is, like, they throw so many monsters at you, and if you try to shoot, like, even 25% of them, you're just not gonna have any ammo. Which Um, is a difference where, I was playing, we just played Silent Hill 2, which, by the end of that game, 
even if you're killing everything, James has an entire militia's worth of bullets. Like, you're good. So I was playing yeah. Silent Hill 3 the same way for the first oh, half. Oh, no. And that utterly, that fucked me by the end of this boss fight when I was like, all right, I've used all my bullets. Now I have to run in with the katana and just pray I can do the right amount of damage before it kills me. And I just had to repeat that over and over before I finally got That's, it. It's uh... a... I don't know. Plenty to talk about it, about the ending. Maria, do you have anything to say specifically about uh, killing God? So, <laughs> so I think it's uh, it's actually supposed to be Heather, like the the model rather oh, than Mary. I, Mary. It, I see what you oh. mean when you say it, yeah, it does look like her. Um, but yeah, I think it is supposed to be Heather, possibly with a little bit of a mix uh with Claudia. Sure. Um, but yeah. Uh, I I don't remember having any trouble with the final boss, but the way that I play survival horror is I will run past enemies unless I really have to fight them. Um, I was playing Obscure 2 the other day and you couldn't do that. So I had to relinquish my habit and actually kill stuff annoyingly. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's, um yeah, I, I guess it does take a lot of resources though. I think I vaguely remember that. Um, but I have a hot take. I think in general, combat in Silent Hill games is not um, the best. <laughs> no one's ever said this before. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I respect that you called that a hot take, I, but I would argue that is uh, the take of Silent Hill. <laughs> yeah. Man, these are amazing games, but they play like dog shit. Yeah, but yeah, I, I, I mean, normally it's fine. You know, it's like I don't, yeah. I don't wish the shooting was better per this, se. Exactly. I mean, this is. I think that's what made this so frustrating for me. Is this in the two Silent Hills I've played? It is the first time where combat felt like it was being pushed in a way that like the Silent Hill series did just not lean on. And so when I'm like dying constantly to this boss, which I don't think any boss in any anywhere else in these games has ever even killed me i was like okay this is like not the rhythm i'm used to this is like a difficulty spike that just like feels unfair at the very end and that didn't feel like silent hills thing up to that point but it's also just a skill issue like maria said i'm just bad at being <laughs> okay. no. no i think it's um it also because the endings i believe they require you to get under a certain amount of kills for some of them so it does mean that you're going to have to run through, uh, especially a lot right. of the earlier levels, without killing anything, which is actually very easy to do. Um, like those little chicken things are just, you just literally walk yeah, right, right past, past them. them. They're, they're useless. Um, so, yeah, I think, I don't know if it's more to do with the ending or if it's more that from two to three, they've changed uh, how many resources are available to pick up. Um, I don't know if it's just me, but it feels like, there's more bosses in three or that there's less but they require more bullets i'm not really sure which one it is yeah i, mean, oh, I don't in know two, in two there wasn't really a strategy for any of the bosses they were all just like shoot them until they die and in this one it's more like you have to be behind them or they'll block your shots or whatever mm -hmm. which you know it's just there's kind of a more mechanical approach to some of them it's still not Still not super involved, but, like, a little more. Um, two notes that uh, I want to talk about before we go into the ending. One, when Claudia eats uh, the baby, she starts bleeding, like, all over her body in kind of a, a way that is both... It's reminiscent of what Heather 
was like about to go through before she kind of forced it out but it also looks like lisa from the first game who like started just like bleeding from her head which is you know one of the series kind of iconic images um also uh when you kill god uh heather just like kicks it in the head repeatedly (laughs) which is very (laughs) funny uh good job heather um there is there's a part of the end here that I, 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 I almost rolled my eyes at, and then it actually won me back immediately, where Heather says, uh, time to roll the credits. She's like, that that's the end, time to roll the credits. And I was like, wow, this really is, she is Leon Kennedy. Um, <laughs> but then, like, immediately after that, she she kind of breaks down, and she starts crying, and it is this very much, like, you know, she she wants to be cool, she wants to be disaffected, but also, like, the events of this game have been incredibly traumatic, you know, and she's not able to just like walk it off, even though she, uh, she wants to. Uh, and I really, I really liked it. It was a good kind of like, you get the, you get the fun Heather, but you also get like Heather, the real person. I think it also signified that she has found her time to mourn Harry. Like, obviously she cries when it first happens, but like, she also kind of holds it together throughout the rest of the game until well, this moment. I think she's she's been distracted by revenge, right? So right, she's had right. her almost preoccupation and now that that's gone, shattered now, it's like all that she's left with is the grief. Um, so she's basically forced to confront it, which is really sad because I, I think like the actress does a really, really good job here. For sure. And um, yeah, I, I felt it was so emotional. I felt really bad for Heather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, I, I just, I love her kind of like you see her trying to be a video game protagonist mm-hmm. and kind of failing mm-hmm. in a way that is like very, uh, very moving. Um, it's yep. good. Uh, then uh, she pranks Douglas's ass. Uh, she Thanks. she goes up. <laughs> she pretends to be possessed and then is like, "JK, I got you." Yeah, she does a yeah. Vincent on Douglas. It's crazy. Good stuff. Then she uh, changes her name. Very yeah, important. She wants to be Cheryl. She doesn't want to be Heather anymore. And then she says, blondes have more fun. Roll the freaking credits. Great moment. Love the ending of this game. It's, I realized I had seen, even just while like Googling Silent Hill 3, I had seen the screenshot and I assumed yeah. it was from like a fake. It was like one of the joke endings. I was I was just like, <laughs> this is this is like some other thing. I did not expect it to be the like canon ending of the game is she she tosses her hair and says blondes have more fun yep it rules dude heather gray's video game protagonist of all time well so for the for the blonde thing um because she had to dye her hair right uh, to hide from the cult um so i think it's kind of more the fact that she chooses to go back to cheryl is um sort of making that choice to have that older part of herself um I guess be a part of her new identity and then also the hair thing well she could go back to like the Cheryl hair color um but she chooses not to she chooses to keep that new part of herself so it's kind of like in a very silly way (laughs) but it's almost she's deciding who she is now which she didn't get to choose throughout her entire life up until this point uh I I I think that's a a great kind of take on it. I also, you know, it's just like we talked about. It's like Silent Hill 2. Harry is just, or not Harry. Um, James is just such a like rotten character that it's like the the good ending for James just kind of feels false. It feels like he shouldn't get it, you know. But it's like this is like you you do only want good things for for Heather slash Cheryl, and like the fact that the game 
gives it to her ultimately and gives it to the audience is like good you know this isn't a game that needs to end with her like punished and and so she like goes through a lot of suffering but like the fact that it ends and it's like guess what she's not like the events of this game have not changed her as a person like she still is able to like be fun and be upbeat and whatever in in the way that uh we hope that she would be uh great uh last note didn't love the end credit song uh, not, oh, yeah. Not my fave. I have a note about this. Um, when I was a kid, I had Silent Hill 3. Didn't play beyond the uh, opening five minutes, but I listened to the soundtrack a lot. And I, as a kid, I loved this song. And in my notes, I just wrote, why? Because <laughs> it's a bad song. But, fun fact. The guy singing this, who's a guy who went on to work on, like, work with Akira Yamaoka for years after this. Uh, he's also a voice actor. And Jacob... Maria, did you know he plays, uh, I guess in the English dub, Joker and Akira, the clown guy. Wow. So there you go. Fun fact. There you go. I guess the song is good. No, it's really (laughs) bad. Uh, I mean, it uses the opening lick of the Silent Hill 1 theme, which is very good. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I think the song sucks. Uh, I do want to talk broadly as we wrap up here about the Silent Hill series and Silent Hill 3. Um, And Maria, I'm very uh, curious your opinions as well, being more first in the series than Jacob and I, but like we played Silent Hill 2. It was my first time playing it. I was deeply affected and moved by it. Jacob, I assume you were too, but like you oh, kind of knew one what of the best games ever it. made. Right. Yeah. And Silent Hill 3, I don't like nearly as much as Silent Hill 2, but I do like quite a bit. I think it's very interesting. The thing I, I think I find unfortunate about it for me, and not to be not to start like talking about a piece of media that doesn't exist, but like I do wish there was a version of this game decoupled from Silent Hill 1. Like where you get to play as Heather as a protagonist and it does not have to deal with all the events of Silent Hill 1 and become a sequel to that and deal with the lore and the cult and yada, yada, yada. Like, the stuff I was very interested in was Heather as a character, specifically as a teenage girl in the world, and all the, like, themes of femininity that revolve around her. I thought all that stuff was great, and I just, like, did not want to sit through minutes and minutes of talk about this, like, cult and this all the lore and etc. So, like, I do like the game a lot. It's just not the game I wish I got, which was, like, closer to Silent Hill 2, where it's, like, this is a kind of a wholly separate vision of this town, and here's this character in it, and you don't have to worry about all this background and stuff. I'm curious, like, where you all sit with it in terms of, like, where it sits as a Silent Hill game and your ultimate thoughts. Yeah, I think for me, when it came to the cult stuff in 3, it made sense for me, because sure. women's bodily autonomy does tend to tie in with religion. <laughs> um, yeah, sure. But I think in the first game, I wasn't too keen on it. But then I mm. played Siren, which is by the same guy who made Silent Hill, uh, the first game, right. um, Keitro Toyama. And then I got it. Something clicked. And I was like, this cult stuff, I appreciate it way more now. Uh, I won't go too much into it, because I think you guys would have a field trip with this game. Um, but yeah, definitely definitely play Siren um, because it, it kind of does a lot of the same stuff uh, with the cult and uh, them not doing so much great stuff uh, because of sure. their religion. Uh, but it almost does it in a much more interesting way, I feel. Uh, but mm-hmm. then I also appreciate Silent Hill doing that because that's where it roots from. Um, and Toyama just kind of expanded in that uh with his feature sure. games. Jacob. Yeah, I'm basically with you, Blake. I um, you know, I I think 
I think if you were going to make a game about, uh, you know, like women's experiences, forced pregnancy, whatever, it totally makes sense to have a church analog, you know, so it's like, I don't want the cult stuff to go away, but I do feel like it has to do so much work connecting it to one yeah. that it's, it, it kind of is hampered a little bit from like being able to really be as much, you know, kind of like, uh, thematically relevant to Heather's experience. You know, it's just, it's kind of, it is that the, like, narrative versus themes thing where I just always kind of fall on the side of I would like more themes and less explicit plot. Um, you know, I, I think, again, I also think this is a good game, uh, and I did enjoy it, but it's, like, I, uh, I don't know. I really, I, I just, I really like abstraction in stories, and I think that two does so much with so little, like, yeah. plot. Uh, you know that that I kind of, I, I do like that more. Um, but I think, you know, to this game's credit, I kind of think the idea of Heather's Silent Hill is more interesting than James because James is just James is just such a piece of shit. That it's like, okay, here's this shitty guy who gets tortured and like seeing that journey is interesting, but it's it's almost obvious. And so having Heather be this like good character that is being tortured, not because of like what she's done, but just like who she is, I think is a, a you know, an interesting idea for horror. And I do think that it's like, it's one of the things that makes this game uh, you know, yeah. just like a fascinating object is that it's like it's not trying exactly the same kind of horror as two, and I'm glad that it it did something else. And we should play the Siren games in a future season. Hey, oh yeah, put them down. I've I've had Siren one installed on my PS5 for like two years at this point. Still just haven't <laughs> played it for whatever reason, but I'm down. Um, well, uh, Maria, thank you so much for coming on and talking about Silent Hill three. Um, we've mentioned a couple of your videos, uh, through this, um, the channel is Eurothug4000 on YouTube. Is there anything else that you think people should, you know, if they like this conversation, uh, should they watch of yours? Um, I think most of my Silent Hill stuff kind of ties in with one another. Um, I mean, Tango Mushi as well, who was on the last part, um, she's fantastic. Uh, her Silent Hill, uh, Silent Hill 3, uh, video is so so good um because as much as i made a video a few years ago on like uh kind of the same like womanhood themes and stuff i, I was such a shit writer back then like i'm uh, better now but um tango's a very good writer so you get to go through the same kind of um analysis but in a much more deeper way in a much more eloquent way as well so I highly recommend uh, her video. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, we we liked her as well, but uh, please check out uh, Eurothug 4000's channel Absolutely. if you have not. Uh, and you're in, uh, are you in the, the newest uh, issue of Lock On? Um, yes, I think so. I don't remember what one we're on. Um, I, the five is about to come out because that's the five? one that I'm okay. in. So I'll finally get to see my uh, my own writing. But uh, check, check out that little magazine as well. Yes, I think I have an interview piece in that possibly with the um season developers oh cool 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 yeah yeah uh, a cool game um well blake and i will be back uh for our nebula exclusive bonus episode as well as the q a uh but that's it we uh we are done for the time being with silent hill blake you still gonna see it in your restless dreams yeah because i think i'm gonna play silent hill 4 okay soon. well this is a stay tuned uh well, and 
that one doesn't take place in Silent Hill, so maybe not. Maybe I'm uh, done. In, in any case, my name is Jacob Geller uh, for Blake Hester. Uh, I don't think anyone on this podcast is blonde, but they do have more fun. Bye. <laughs>